Tell me something. How often are you looking at the ROI of the people you work with? And what is in that ROI? Tell me. Is it the fact that they're just being more efficient, more effective, they're delivering more, then therefore you're earning more and profits are up? Or is it actually how they exist in the culture of your business? Um, or how you lead or you manage or how you feel in terms of what you deliver and your personal ROI when you're working with you know, in terms of the relationships that you foster and they don't just stay with you in the organisation or the business you're in at the moment, but also they go with you elsewhere because that's about you and what you bring to the table. Today, I'd like to welcome you to Ambition to Impact. This is one of the first guests that we've had on the show and we talk about this very thing in terms of how we challenge ourselves to dig deeper, to give more. And that isn't to hit the bottom line. Well, not only, but it is about actually how we feel in ourselves and what we bring to the table. Are we challenging ourselves to really be the happiest we can be or to be the best we can be or to be the most effective we can be? You might be asking, well, I don't know, what can I be doing? What am I feeling really frustrated with and how can I solve it? Because sometimes when we're so close to a problem, it could be um, just things aren't getting done. People aren't listening to you. You don't feel valued. You don't feel visible. And it's really frustrating, especially when you are a specialist at what you do and you can see what needs to be done, but you're not quite getting through to the people that need to make it happen or that need to, to kind of green light the idea or be joined with you. And that is an impact issue. It is the impact we have, our confidence. It is not only the confidence in ourselves, but in how we share ideas to really make sure people are gravitating towards us. And to be honest, when that happens, then you feel incredible as well because you know that you're doing the best job that you could possibly do. And that is what it's really all about. It isn't just about increasing that bottom line, it's knowing that you are going to work that day and be at the top of your game. Now, if you would like to have an idea, if you're thinking, okay, yes, I've got these frustrations, I've got these struggles with either members of my team or what steps to move next, or how do I get out of this rut, then do go over to my website because I have a tool that can help you. It is an assessment tool about your impact. So there are five, and there's going to be a show about this, but there are five key elements of how you make an impact as a professional, it is what makes, it's, it's what sorts out the kind of wheat from the chuff in a, in a way. So, you know, those people with executive presence, those people who make things happen, those people that are at the top of their game, they have these five things. So if you go over to speakingambition.com, you will see it. First thing should be, is it loads? There's a button that says test your impact. Now click that button and take the test. It's a free resource for you. It is there purely. You get a report at the end and you get percentages and it will tell you um, which of the five key areas that potentially you need to work on or up your game on or that might be causing you some issues. So go check that out at speakingambition.com. 
So otherwise, today I am talking with, in fact, very on point, I'm talking with Paul Shrimpling from Remarkable Practice. And we're talking about humanizing the numbers. We talk about neuroscience, we talk about how we learn and skills in accountancy and finance, and we talk about his experiences and and what really makes him him um, Paul. So what Paul does is he works with accountancy firms uh, with accountancy practices to really identify and to challenge and to dig deep um, to really so that they're getting value not only out of the the billables but out of the people and so what he does is really connected to his history and he he was he shares his story his passion for the accountancy profession which was forged from his experience of growing um and and from scratch the family manufacturing business and what happened and he says what happens in terms of when they nearly went bust and they had to um well the annual check-in with the accountant failed to deal with the all of the emotions of the business and recessions and refinancing and everything that happened. And they realized, uh, and he says this later, where was my accountant <laughs> during all of that? And you can really see how much that's driven him to do what he does today, which is quite simply to go working with leaders of accountancy firms and getting them to understand the value of human connections. And we talk about how you can really show up uh, or even measure, how do you measure those human connections? Actually, are you thinking, right, this week, how many face-to-face -face conversations am I going to have? How many voice conversations am I going to have? How many versus how many emails? And actually what that does, not just to you. So I know that we say the classic phrase of this meeting could have been an email. Do you know what? Yes. But just imagine what would happen if you actually showed up going, yes, I want to go to this meeting and yes, it could be more efficient, but I'm going to show up and be present and, and really see what happens then. And that's when, especially with finance, that's when we make those numbers work because then everyone there connects. And his story, we go into neuroscience, we go into how the brain works and forming habits. We talk, um, and I love this, we talk about Carol Dweck, who um, she's she researched a lot about mindsets and how we actually approach things and did. And so we talk about some of the studies that she did um, when she went into schools and actually found out what makes us uh, better and and as Paul says you know it's the if we think it if you think you can if you think you can't either way you're right uh, and it's it's very much that that feeling isn't it if you think you're going to fail if you're thinking I can't do this then you will fail and I see that a lot when it comes to embracing social or people skills you know I'm never going to be a good speaker I'm never going to be a good presenter I'm never going to have that level of influence now yeah there is an element of knowing knowing do I say boundaries um, knowing your lane but equally if you're always telling yourself that and if especially if you're expecting of that of people you lead like they're never going to do this then they never will they never will achieve so there's definitely there's a lot to learn from this episode so I really hope you enjoy it very much and without further ado I would like to present Paul Shrimpling
You sounded like an accountant, Alex, <laughs> wanting to put a number on a feeling. How do I do that? Um, so this is where, you know, uh, yes, understandably, a business owner would expect an accountant to talk about return on investment, profit, fees, costs, and so on. Uh, tax, yes, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but actually, the value that the business owner experiences from the work they do with the accountant is based on how the accountant makes them feel, not the numbers work. Was it um, Maya Angelou? I think the author said something like, um, people will forget what you did for them, but they will always remember how you made them feel. And so how do you make them feel in an email? How does that work? As opposed to how do you make them feel face to face, eyeball to eyeball on Zoom call? Well, now we can have a conversation and we can actually uh, profoundly influence the way a business owner, a client feels, which you can't by email. And so if you want an equation and, and, and I get asked this by firms of accountants, how do we turn this into something that works in the firm? Well, do you track and measure the number of face to face interactions you have with your clients? And I've, I've yet to have a firm who says a category. Yes, we do. So how do you track and measure the number of face to face interactions with your clients? And then you'll know whether you're driving the humanity of your accounting firm up or stay in the same or driving it down. Well, if business owners, if your clients, if the accountants clients value the way they feel about their accountant and they do. Well, hopefully they do, if they do it in the right sort of work, uh, then if the accountant's having more human interactions as opposed to email interactions, then guess what? They'll feel a greater sense of value, likely to stay more, likely to buy more, likely to pay more, and likely to recommend you more. That's an equation I think it's worth taking deadly seriously, which most accountants are looking at recovery rates and chargeability and et cetera, et cetera, which, you know, okay, have got some value, in the firm but actually what matters to the client measure what matters to the client i'm sorry i'm going to jump in i was going to say but what about for the business in the in on a whole what does it do for their business for the business owner mm. how does it help the business owner if business owners are out there walking around having had high quality interaction face-to-face eyeball-to-eyeball interaction with their accountant on yes they're historical numbers management accounts annual accounts you know tax have got to pay but also numbers that are future focused then are they going to feel more confident more certain about the decisions they're making to influence the future success of their business well yes they are so if they feel better about those decisions because there's been more and higher quality interaction human interaction between accountant and business owner then the businesses are going to be more successful well if the businesses I mean, are more successful they'll partly blame the accountant for that get in <laughs> It's a win-win. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that all makes sense. And I love that idea of actually measuring the human interactions and actually how much do we do that? And, And then there's a whole other conversation in terms of seniority and who is actually having those those conversations because we're hearing more and more now that and this is a different topic altogether especially with offshoring outsourcing that happens as well it actually has been opening up a lot more of these human interactions and actually we're seeing it at a lower level kind of with the the junior levels actually getting more client interaction earlier Mm. on in their career which will only I think be a a great thing one thing that's I'm left being curious about is about you and your history and why is this important to you? Sit down. (laughs) Uh, Why is it important to me? Okay, so I started, I didn't, um, 
I was involved involved in helping my father start a business, which ended up being the family business. And um, my father's background was he was a, a manufacturing geezer. He made sofas and chairs, handmade sofas and chairs for some of the greatest interior designers in the world. Uh, it was was the business. During that time, we started small, and over a, about a decade, grew it into a small million pound turnover business. Now, journey involved uh, two really serious deep recessions where you know the business really really struggled. We uh, we started exporting, and there were challenges attached to that. We bought a building. We were attached. There were challenges attached to that. At, at one stage, after my father had left, I uh, the business got into real challenges thanks to. Um, a serious recession and one or two other issues within the team and so on and the fact that we'd invested in a Chelsea Harbour showroom so if anyone's been to Chelsea Harbour anywhere in Chelsea you know what the real estate's like in terms of costs so that was a cash drain um, and almost almost lost the business I had to make a decision do we continue with this or do we just can it so I decided to continue refinanced everything in my life so that we could keep the business going did so turned it round got it ready for sale so and then in sale discussions with an outside buyer, where was my accountant, Alex? Where were they? Well, they were noticeable by their absences, is where they were. Uh, so I had an annual interaction with my accountant about accounts that were maybe six months old. And this is I'm, I'm going back maybe 30 years now. Even then, we had software which told us what our management accounts were on either a monthly or a quarterly basis, ac- accurate quarterlies, uh, you know, good signpost monthlies. And so he'd come in for, you know, six months after my year end and tell me how the business is done when I knew how the business is done because I'm now into first half of the fir- the next year's out the way so uh, what, where's that relevance in that my passion uh, zeal energy for working with the accountants comes from the fact that every business owner has taken the risk faces challenges on a daily weekly monthly quarterly basis um, is keeping people employed you know buying from multiple suppliers looking to grow their business want certainty and security and an accountant who turns up once a year emails them a few times in the year uh, there's 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 where's the humanity where's the relationship where's the strength in relationship in that sort of arrangement and i didn't see it as a business owner over way over a decade facing all sorts of challenges on that journey and so when i eventually got engaged to work with accountancy firms i realized that actually there were different types of accountants the ones who took the humanity seriously and the ones who only take the numbers work seriously and what's clear particularly in the last 12 months just to bring it to the present tense is that the firms who have better managed the humanity aspects of working with their team you know they've stepped up the amount of team interface team contact, eyeball to eyeball contact on a daily, weekly basis, even though we're working from home and have done the same with clients, are the ones that actually are enjoying quite a successful time. The ones that haven't done that are maybe uh, seeing that it's been more of a struggle. So I was going to ask, actually, what are the biggest mistakes that you've seen without being and, and what can people do if they're thinking this feels like a stretch? Because I know that sometimes yeah, when it I is work a stretch. with people, it's well, it's hard. And I, I once had a message from someone that said, I got into accounts because I'd love numbers and I want to do <laughs> I want to do all this techno. And they work for one of the big four. And yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And his quote was, I'm so wrong. I'm so wrong. This isn't I have to actually deal with people and I'm feeling really out of my comfort zone. And 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 what I also get is sometimes that people feel that they're not normal for not being <laughs> people person. And, right. and that can be actually something where we're actually when when I talk about having people skills and, and, and when we're talking about human, that isn't for people who are extroverted, I feel it can mm. be for 
anybody. So I was wondering mm. from what you have seen, what are the key mistakes that people make? What are the key mistakes people make who are naturally accountants and not naturally human people? Is that what you're asking? Natural accountants. Yeah. Well, right. I just, I, yeah, I'm feeling like I'm in a place where I don't want to exclude anyone. But equally, I think if we looked at accounting firms and yeah. inside of the firm, what are the mistakes that are being made? I think that would be quite interesting to hear. Okay. I think one of the mistakes is we think we can take someone who's a particular style or type, if you want, in terms of their natural tendencies and natural psychometrics to want to do a particular type of work accountancy and turn them into an extrovert do we need to really need to turn them into an extrovert business advisor no no we don't we don't need to be that ambitious now there's lots of research about you know this the bell curve which goes introversion to extroversion so the extroverts are at one end and the introverts at the other the vast majority of people are omniverts we've got a blend and a balance of extroversion and introversion and so i think one of the mistakes is we assume that we've all got to be extroverts to be good human people. No, we don't. We just have to be exactly who we are, which is a blend of the two. Now, I appreciate there's, there's still a spectrum within that part of the bell curve, but it's let's just accept who we are. The, there's also the mistake that we think we can change people's psychology. Everybody wants to be um, a psychologist without realising it because they want to change people's motivations and drives for doing these things. Well, I'm not clever enough to do that, I, you know, and even if I was or if, even if anybody was, would we be able to do it? I don't think so in my experience. But to flip it, what can happen is you change processes, you change systems, you change checklists, you change the technology so that people build skill around the tools. So different tools equals different skills. Now, Everyone who's listening to this, with a very few exceptions, have all learned to drive a car and they've all learned to ride a bike. Can they learn to use Zero, Zero or QBO, QuickBooks Online? Um, can they learn to use an app with a client? Can, and, the, and the answer is humans are pretty adaptable people. Uh, they can learn a new skill. And so Carol Dweck, who did some amazing research in schools in the U.S., points to essentially a statement that uh, uh, Henry Ford said, well, whether you think you can or you can't, you're absolutely right, which is as old as the hills. But Carol Dweck showed scientifically that if you educate kids on how the brain is wired, if you educate adults on how the brain is wired, you realise that if you repeatedly do something, you'll learn a new skill. Now, does it get harder as you get older? Some, but doesn't mean to say you can't learn a new skill. I'm learning to... Um, belay and climb at the moment i'm 56 can i learn to climb yes i can i've got to because i'm taking my son to uh the uh, the scottish mountains to do some <laughs> deaf climbs but you know do, do you think you can learn a new skill or do you think you can't well if you think you can you will and if you think you can't then go and get a different job because the technology is coming like a train and we've got to embrace it or if we resist it what's going to happen well job security is good going to go down is what's going to happen you've got to face up to the brutal truths you know james what was he called james bond stockdale he uh, he was shot from the skies over vietnam he was a pilot for the american navy air force and spent eight years in a concentration camp and uh, when he got out a journalist interviewed him a few months afterwards and said who didn't make it james 
And he said, the optimists. He said, the ones who faced up to the brutal truths of the change that's coming are the ones that actually survive and thrive. So if you want a career in accountancy, which has got this technology to human journey taking place from accounts to uh, let's have more conversations with clients about those numbers, about those accounts, then um, if you're not willing to embrace that, then OK, you've got five years, maybe 10. But the profession's changing. Yeah, and we've seen so much of that. I mean, not just in the past year. The past year has been bonkers in terms of acceleration prices. And, it's and been brilliant, hasn't it? It's been brilliant. It's been fantastic, but for a lot, it's been been That's overwhelming. Strong. And there yeah. have been quite a few um, cases of, especially people, as you're saying, kind of old later in life or later on in their career who who it's have not had just that it's not just them. Yeah. Yes, Alex, but it's not just, you know, I'm seeing that in some young players yeah. as well, some young accountants. It's not it's not an age specific thing. It's not. Yeah. And it's too much. It's well, it's not too much. As you said, it's how you approach it. And I love that study from Carol Dweck. It's amazing. And, and in fact, just mm. the just the 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 other study in terms of um, what she calls the growth and fix mindset in terms yeah. of giving yeah. kids going in, giving kids an example. And actually, if you're focused on the win, then and just said oh you're you're amazing then you actually never learn to love the doing and the learning and and so the children that just were told you're amazing Mm. well done on your score versus the ones that went you work really hard and you did really good job and I can see where you applied yourself they learned to love the doing of it and that's when you adapt really easily to change because it's not about the result. Yeah, it's It's about doing the work. Yeah. It's like, you know, when when a human being's at their best, when they're learning something is the argument. When a human being's at the best, when they're learning something. So what's going on in firms so that they're helping, encouraging, supporting people learning new skill around what? Well, new skills usually associated with a tool, which new tool? Well, the tool that's right for this client interaction which nowadays is called an app. Uh, so it's, but the, the what I, I, I talked to um, Zoe Lacey Cooper uh, in the last seven days uh, at the end of her experience in, uh, you know, at Accountex. And she, I, I asked her, what, what's the biggest challenge facing accountants? She said, implementation. Mm-hmm. So what, well, what does that actually mean? She's right. You know, how do we implement the new stuff? Build skill. If you don't grow your people, you will not grow your accountancy firm. Therefore, if we do grow our people's skills, not trying to mess with their head, just build skill, then some will build skill fast, some will build skill slow, but everyone will build skill. And as a consequence, you'll grow your firm because you're growing your people. Only if you grow your people will you grow your firm. And that's a human it, practice. That is a human practice. I love that. And in terms of positive um, habits as well. And as you're saying, you can't change the psychology necessarily. It's not about mm. that. I love that you said that because it is, yes, there's a lot that can be changed, but for it's like me as a coach, I'm there to unlock what's already in there, not to, not to create these new, I can't new like stuff. download a new skill. It's yeah, not yeah, like having not a plug-in like app. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's, it's what you've already got in there and, and playing to your strengths. Yeah. Um, and, and having that. And if you did that with all of your people, it's a bit like the James Clear book, Atomic Habits, mentions mm. about the 1%. If you're better 1% every day, you know, the compound interest on the on, mm. on how you can be reach your potential 
Um, mm. And that's not that's never a there's never a finite like there isn't a ceiling on that. It's just it's an ongoing lifelong journey in a way yeah. which can sound exhausting in a sense it's it's but, interesting I, I, it, can, it can it can feel exhausting depending on how you interpret the job of work and, ah, uh, i like that yeah that's uh, <laughs> and, and again that that's a you know tapping into carol Dweck's research again is whether you think you can so um uh, diy is, a, is an example. So DIY, in my in my world, DIY stands for destroy it yourself, okay, which is why you hire other people to come in and do it for you, okay, that's my, um, I don't like DIY, um, but that's a program that I've been running in my head. Now, I've, because it's lockdown and what else is there to do outside of, you know, work, work, is DIY work. Well, it's just another form of work. Learning is just another form of work. Relaxing is just another form of work. It's all work. It's just different work. And so as soon as I've reached that place, it was like, oh, OK, well, that's DIY work. That's what we're doing. So I've, I've, I've refitted the utility room out and I look at it and go, well, there's the pro job in there and there's my job in there. I can't tell the difference. So I'm like, yes, I don't destroy things as much as I thought I did. Partly because I've looked at it in, term, in human terms is my choice in terms of the work. What work? Build skill work, which requires repeated effort. Repeated, repeated effort, effort again, repeated mm. effort again, uh, ideally at the edge of your skill level. So all the science about learning to play a musical instrument, a, a language, driving a car is you repeat things at the edge of your skill level, not within your skill level, at the edge. And that's where, you you know, one of, one of my challenges to uh, the leaders and managers of the accounting firms is uh, how, um, how ambitious are you for your children? What are your expectations of your children? They go, oh, well, I, yeah, my expectations are really high. So, okay, what are your expectations of your team in your firm? Well, some of them I don't expect down here and some of them, well, there's one or two up there. And something. okay, it's interesting is, do you do that with your kids? And they go, yeah. no, 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 I wouldn't do that with my children. I wouldn't do that with my children. Okay, well, and it comes back to this is a, a line. It's not my line. I, I've, um, I've borrowed it, stolen it from um, uh, Nigel Bennett of Halliday's up in Stockport. And I was in a meeting a long time ago when Nigel said, isn't it interesting how our people perform down to our expectations of them? So my challenge to people listening to this is if you want a really human business, appeal to the two-year-old that's living in all, in all of us, raise your expectations level levels of them. And then all of a sudden you look and work with them and speak to them and your body language tells them that you've got high expectations of them. Are they more or less likely to achieve more? Isn't it obvious? If you expect low things, guess what they'll deliver? They'll deliver yeah. low things. If you expect high things, they'll deliver high things. Okay, it might take time, but let's help all of our team grow. Put processes, tools, skill, learning in place in our firm to build human businesses, human accountancy businesses that when they've built the skill will happily jump on Zoom and have an eyeball-to-eyeball conversation with a client so that you can drive the human numbers attached to client value because we want to influence how they feel. And that's a human thing. It's not a numbers thing. We use the numbers as a tool to facilitate a strong, deep, meaningful conversation. I spend a lot of time challenging accountants around the status quo so that actually they then end up connecting deeper with their team, deeper within what they want personally as well, but have the team also connect in a deeper and more regular way with their clients because as a business owner it didn't happen for me and and I went on a 10-year journey without the support that I could have had if my fault 
if I'd have chosen an accountant who was committed to the human side, not just the number side. Do you know what? I was just thinking, what a, I don't want to use the word noble, but if, if we're going to need anything, as certainly if businesses are going to need anything in the coming years, it's going to be that voice and that mm. thing. So thank you so much for sharing that. It's the connection. You know, at the time where it's been really hard to connect, it's the volume. And this is just one last thing. If you're going to build skill, accountants want to be right first time. Okay. When you build skill, that just won't work. You've got to be willing, open up a little bit to, oh, I might cop this up. Might mistake. I might make a few mistakes. Yeah, you will. You will. And it's the, the repetition at the edge of your skill means that you're going to mess up. And so it's going to be a struggle. And if there's a parting image, it would be this. When a butterfly escapes from the pupa, so, you know, it was a caterpillar, and then it you know, it's winds silk around itself and becomes a pupa. And then when it's breaking out of the pupa, it struggles. And someone was telling me a story about someone who saw this happening and went with a, pet, a little scalpel just to help the butterfly out of the pupa. And the butterfly got out of the pupa, but it couldn't fly when it got out because the struggle to get out forces the blood down the wings so that it can fly. So if we all accept that actually struggle is healthy if we're learning new skill at the edge of our skill level then we've been like the butterfly escaping from the pupa and then later we will fly and i think that's um, a human business is one that helps their team build skill connects them up in a deeper way with their clients i.e just talk to them more often there's an open loop around quality versus quantity how do you build skill get it right first time or just do it a lot and the answer is <laughs> Do it a lot. <laughs> Just do it more. Get open Zoom. Go for it. You know, it's like I'm going to mess it up. No, you're not. You're a human being. So is the person on the other phone, on the other side of Zoom. Um, and we've everything. Everyone's got more forgiving with Zoom. We've had technology challenges at the beginning of this. We're all a little bit more accepting of that now, because that's the world yeah. we've been living in. It's the world we're dealing with. Or at least we haven't got a three-year-old that's jumping in on. I think our last phone <laughs> conversation is a year, year ago. But, but you see. How human is that, though, Alex? Yeah. I, you know, I've been you know, talking to people in firms who go, and I feel as I'm letting the side down when my three-year-old us in and starts screaming at me or daddy. And it's like, no, 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 no. All your clients are in the same boat. They all accept. And it's like, oh, how lovely is that? I've not seen a three-year-old for a year. I'd love to see a three-year-old screaming at me. So <laughs> exactly. It's bringing that all together. And it's been the amazing. Humanity. Oh my gosh, I'm still reveling in the, the whole butterfly thing because I think that was my first ever pet as well. <laughs> All right. Well, I say that I kept in a I, I kept um the chrysalis in a in a jar, but I kept him, I called him Fred and I had him for five years before I gave up on him. Um but <laughs> it wasn't. But I, it's amazing that yeah, we have to do that struggle work and you have to do the work to make it happen and repeatedly I, that's something I see a lot especially when it comes to softer skills and and these things is because accountancy and finance is one of the one places where the learning well apart from like in fact professions so you could say the same for medical yeah, and lawyers, for, um, lawyers yeah. yeah you you have it's very binary learning process so the whole career is yes or no wrong or right and there is only one answer basically mm. but all of the other skills you have to actually learn to explore and actually almost aim to fail in some ways so that you get mm. that learning and every or 
I say aim to fail, but every fail is still a valuable experience. It's not invaluable. So there mm. has to be a kind of separation of, okay, there are one, there's one area where it's not good to fail, but there is a really, but it's like a mock exam. Um, but unfortunately, there are no mock exams when it comes to learning those human skills. You just got to get out there. You just got to do it. And you've got to, to some sense, own it if it does go wrong and really think about, and I, I had a session on Tuesday um, with a group where I, I actually challenged them and said, okay, guys, what's the worst that's going to happen when it comes to now with account to the actual technical skill? Yes, there's a lot that could go wrong. I'm talking about the the relationship, right? Can we just, can I ask you, what are you, what are you scared of? What is holding you back from having this conversation with your clients? And what are you scared of? And there was so much scared that they'll see me, scared that they'll challenge me, scared there'll be an argument was one of them, scared mm. um, that they'll leave, um, scared that they won't pay. And mm. there, there was a lot of, and I just want, all I'm hearing is a lot of fear, is a mm. lot of fear in there. So let's deal with that and say, yeah, we're just going to throw that. Yeah. Accountants are brilliant at finding things going wrong because they've been trained that way. So when they see themselves do something wrong, they stop. It's like, no, 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 no. It's, you know, we've got to do things wrong at the edge of our skill level and we'll improve and we'll become a more human practice. We'll be more human with our clients, we'll be more human with our team. And as a result, my experience over the last 18 years of working exclusively with the county firms is they'll be more profitable. They'll be more successful and they'll feel a greater sense of pride and enjoyment in what they're doing. That's a human accounting practice. There you go. It's win-win all over there. Where do we find you? And also, do tell us about your podcast as well. Okay. Uh, so you can go to www.remarkablepractice.com. There's no the, just so that you know. It's just www.remarkablepractice.com. And you can get access to all sorts of information. I would suggest if you go there, go to the blog. And we do a blog every week uh, connected to uh, uh, some piece of learning. No, no surprise there. Uh, that will challenge your thinking and maybe challenge your skills too typically connected to humanize the numbers which leads me on to the podcast so we've over the last 14 weeks been doing a podcast every week at humanize the numbers dot online um and uh, twitter i I'm, I'm i'm not a big user but i'm there my team populate that and uh, but on linkedin so if you look up paul shrimpling there is only one <laughs> and you can find me at linkedin and I'll, I'll respond to every message anybody ever sends to me uh, that's a, a promise I made to myself a long time ago. So if you uh, want to have an interaction there, then reach out and I'll do what I can to help. Incredible. Well, thank you so much for all of that. Um, just brilliant stories. And anyone who brings up Carol Dweck is always an absolute winner in my eyes.